Thank any of you who were here last year. Parshas Titzaveh starts off with the word Ve'ato Titzavez B'nei Yisrael. You should command B'nei Yisrael. V'yichoi lech Hashem Take for yourself oil, olive oil, kasis lamaor, crushed in order to be used for lighting. L'halos ne'er tamen in order to make a continuous light, a light that will be continually lit the whole time. That's how it starts off. Ve'ato Titzaveh. So first of all, it's a strange thing because you don't start off a parsha with Ve'ato and you. Normally it starts off Vayidabra Hashem Moshe Lamor. So what happened to the Vayidabra Hashem Moshe Lamor? Where's the Moshe? Where is that Moshe in the beginning of the part? <coughs> the end of last week's part, it says the word Nechoshes also. It says, Vachoklaya Mishkan and Machol Vadas Vachoyis Edos Vachoyis Dosa Chatzir Nechoshes. All the killing the Mishkan and whatever Avoda they were doing, as well as the pegs and the pegs of the, the pegs that they used for certain parts, as well as the pegs of the actual Chatzir, which they nailed down the, uh, the claim of the Chatzir, the, uh, what were they, curtains, they were all made of copper. All those things were made of copper. So end off with Nechoshes and starts off with the Atta. Okay, we're going to go a little, uh, little esoteric today. Just a little, you know, a little bit off. Because I'm wearing a scarf. So, okay. The Chidah says, Ki zem Moshe ha'ish. He quotes down a Pasuk later on. Zem Moshe ha'ish lo yadanu mehayilo. We don't know what happened to him. Zem Moshe ha'ish. So the Chidah says that the He in ha'ish stands for five different neshamos that Moshe Rabbeinu contained within him. There were five chalakim, four, five different parts to his neshama. Each one represented a different chalak in Torah. We're not going to explain how each one connects to the Torah. But there were five different chalakim to him and those five each connected to a certain part of the Torah. They are Moshe. We know him. Ooh. Right? That makes sense that his neshama was connected to one. That's number one. Shame is oh, number two. Shame. Shase. Shase, who is the first son of... Uh, the, the, the son that was born after Cain and Havel by Alderation. Havel. We know Havel. As well as Noah. Those were the five. So four of them are Meramis within his name. Moshe is Mem for Moshe, Shin for Shem and Shase, and the He stands for Havel. So those all make sense. But Noah is a little thrown out. It's not in there exactly. So what's going on with the Noah? What happened in the Noah? So the Chassam Sofer says the reason why it can't be in his name is because Noah did something that Moshe Rabbeinu did not, was totally against, completely against. Noah never fought the wrongdoers of his time. Even though he somewhat gave them Musr and somewhat told them off and said that you guys are doing wrong and that the world's going to be destroyed because of you, he never went out and gave complete Musr to them. Never went out and gave them total uh, the, the amounts of Musr that they really needed. He didn't give them the Musr that they needed. And because of that, what happened to his entire generation? Destroyed. Killed right. in a flood. <laughs> that hasn't happened to anybody else in any other time, has it? I know Akash Baruch who promised that's not going to happen. But not only, I mean, in any other way, there has been never, there's never been a generation where the leader of the generation <laughs> failed to, to pray or get, get rid of the problems for his whole generation except for right now. Moshe did. And thus he was the exact opposite. He always davened. All the time he was always in the contrary. A guy who argued against the Kaddish Baruch Hu, always hoping for the good of B'nai Yisrael. Sort of like Avram, but different from Avram in a way that Avram didn't... Avram cared about the people of Sodom and went out and davened for the people of Sodom. Moshe Rabbeinu cared about B'nai Yisrael more than anything to the point where he was willing to sacrifice his life to God for what he believed in. And we saw that in the end of Parsha Shmos, where Kaddish Baruch Hu tells Moshe to go down to Mitzrayim. He goes to Paro. Paro says, all right, I'm making the work even harder for them. 
to which Moshe Rabbeinu goes back to HaKadosh Baruch Hu and says, God, what are you doing for them? Now, I, I don't know if any of you have talked to God before. I personally have never talked to God. And if I would talk to God, the last thing I would say to him is, what are you doing, God? What do you think you're doing? You've never done one good thing for these people as long as you've been in charge. Well, what do you mean? Moshe, shut up. <laughs> this is not the right thing to say. That's what you'd think that somebody would have said to him, but no. He was the exact opposite that way. However, he had a grandson. He had a grandson. Now, who was Moshe Rabbeinu's kids? He had two kids that we know about. Gershom and Eliezer. And Eliezer. Gershom and Eliezer. Gershom had another kid. Anybody remember what his name was? He had a kid. He is mentioned in Nach, in Navi, at the end of Shoftim. Oh, his name is... No, no, no. Come on, Benji. Close. You know this. Yeah, 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 you know this, Benji. Are these kids by... <laughs> at the very end of Shoftim, Yochaved is the mother of Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu goes out and gives birth to a kid, both kids, Gershom and Eliezer. And Gershom has one child. We don't know about any of the other kids of Moshe Rabbeinu except for this one grandkid who, was, who did something wrong. His name was Yehonasan. Yehonasan ben Gershom ben Menashe. Oh, oh always known. Yehonas and Gershom and Menashe. Now it's the funny. priest of Micah, right? Very good. Micah. Very good. <laughs> <laughs> Pesel Micha. There was the idol of Micha. The idol of Micha that they brought out of Mitzrayim, actually. That Shevet Dun had stolen, had stolen from Micha. Micha had taken this idol out and he used it as a god. He found it as something that got him closer to God. Closer to Akadosh Baruch Hu. He believes in God. I was but he found him like that. From my, Micha he saw, yeah, don't worry. He <laughs> saw Yehonas' son walk by and he knew he was the grandson of Moshe and when he invited Yehonasan in to be the coin, the priest, for this Avodah for Pesel Micha, Yehonasan misunderstood or misinterpreted a drusha that he had heard from his grandfather. His grandfather used to say that if you want to learn Torah, if you want to stay and learn Torah, do work that's strange for you. The wording in Hebrew is Avodah Shezara Lo, work that is strange for you. And he thought that meant Avodah Zara. If you want to sit and learn, you, it's mutter for you to do Avodah Zara. He thought that that's what it meant. Obviously not. But Yehonasan messed up and started worshipping Avodah Zara. At that point, his name was known as Yehonasan Ben Gershom Ben Menashe. The Nun in Menashe is written a little bit higher than the Mem, Shin, and the He. The Nun is a little bit higher. It's really Moshe Rabbeinu. Why is there a Nun? Because Noah comes back. And it's Moshe, Noach, Shem, Shes, Hevel. And those are the five neshamas of Moshe Rabbeinu. Why Noach? Because Noach was the guy who didn't argue against all those people who were Ovid Avodah Zarah. He honestly knew it was wrong to worship Avodah Zarah, but he didn't argue. So now, because he didn't argue, that, no, that Nun comes back. He brought back the Nun into Moshe Rabbeinu, brings back Noach within Moshe Rabbeinu. Okay, that was one thing. That was with Yonas and Gershom and Menashe. That, my friends, is Pshat within our parsha over here of Nechoshes versus Ba'ato. Nechoshes. Do you see two names in there? I see two names in there. Noach, Shes. Noach, Shes, Ve'ato. The connection between the two parshas is showing Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe is written with a Gershayim on top. The Ben Yishchai says that Gershayim stands for two other Neshamos. Moshe Rabbeinu himself, as well as Shem and Hevel. Shem and Hevel. So we got Noach, Shes, Moshe, Shem, and Hevel. Wow. All of there, Nechoshes Viato, is referred to over here. Titzavez B'nei Yisrael, you should command B'nei Yisrael, etc., etc., etc. Now the question is, that's a great remez. Unbelievable. We refer to the five Neshamos of Moshe Rabbeinu. It's an unbelievable thing to say. Why now? Why over here? 
I could have been anywhere. I could have picked anywhere in the world. Why here in the beginning of Parshas Tzavah? What does it say? What does the first Pesach say? Next time, Next time, come on, tell him. Then you should take for yourself olive oil, kasi's lama or crushed for lighting. Lahalos near tamid in order to light up a candle forever. See now because we just did that in the first Pesach. It has nothing to do with that. This is the end of what? Moshe being kongano transfers. That is one hundred percent true. But why this now? So what? So now we're going to refer to his five neshamas. Okay, Moshe Rabbeinu. Yeah. Become Kohen Gadol, but he had five neshamas. Well, now, he, like, well, he, what he, what he wasn't able to attain, what he could have. Mm, okay, and somewhat. So, so it had to go to somewhat, Arons. and so somewhat. these things are coming back. The Noach, whatever. Here we go. Yeah. Shot is why over here, over anywhere else, Moshe's name is not mentioned throughout the entire parsha of Parsha Tzitzavah. Mm-hmm. Anybody know why? Because the. Oh, he died this week. Oh, because that's what he said. If you no. when when uh, it, it, you know, when, it, it, wait, when, actually, right before you say the gross says that Parshas Tetzava will always fall out in the week of Zion Other. That's true. Zion Other, Moshe Rabbeinu's yort site, is always in Parshas Tetzava because he did die in this week. So it's not a very bad call. The Grud does say that's Pshat behind why he's missing here. But what's the Pshat? Why was Moshe Rabbeinu have to be missing from a Parsha? Why is he not mentioned inside a Parsha? Like, oh, what? He needs to not be mentioned inside somewhere. Why don't we say it? Because he said something. Not what did he say? Well, when Bnei Israel sinned. Um, By the eagle as of. What did he say? He said, um, if you... Um, if you wipe them out, erase me, please, from yeah, the sefer that you wrote. The wording of a tzaddik can never be fall to the wayside. Every word he says is important and has to be accomplished. So a Baruch Hu had to erase him. He had to make sure that he was erased. So where did he erase him? He erased him out of Parshas Tetzaveh. Why Parshas Tetzaveh? As we said, yeah. Kel na rafa na lach. If you if you say that every single word of a tzaddik has to be fulfilled in some way, mm-hmm. why would he say na twice? Oh my gosh! Is that not a question for right now? <laughs> that is so not a no. That's not a question for right now. Hold on a second. Do you understand? Maybe not oh, God. There's 11 letters in the tefillah to be able to heal Miriam from Tsaras that was spoke, it was given to Miriam because of the Lashon Hara that she spoke on Moshe Rabbeinu. And you're asking me, why did he add in two? Is you'd rather have half, I need, and you'd is rather Moshe have a tzaddik, yes or no? Yes, 100%. Okay, so you so, just said that any... You know how yeah, every single one of those yeah. words is the craziest thing of all time. <laughs> he's saying he doesn't have it's time to get into extra, it now. It's not that there's an extra word there. <laughs> Where was the other 700 50 words that he should have said. He was able to heal Miriam with five words. Four of them being two-letter words. Do you even know four two-letter words? Like, come on. No, that, that, that's way too much. Way too much. He, he We're not going go to go into it. Yeah, now. yeah. We will go. We will go into that a little Is bit later. But kill no fun, no Oh my God. No. no. Okay. Anyway, that's one. The partial that he's missing from is this partial, which is partial's coin gobble. You are right in saying that this is the partial of the coin gobble. Who became the Kohen Gadol because of what? Because he Moshe said I wouldn't take it. Because Moshe Rabbeinu refused to take it. Why? Because he was He's such humble. an anav. Because oh. he was such an anav. He said, absolutely not, I don't want to take it. So because this Parsha deals with Kohen and Gedolim, the one Parsha that Moshe Rabbeinu would feel the worst about, <coughs> that Parsha, we take Moshe Rabbeinu out. And we were Maramis to him though. We say to him, we say to him, listen, he might not be here, but the nelam of Moshe Rabbeinu is here, the hidden part of Moshe Rabbeinu is here. The part that Moshe Rabbeinu, that Moshe Rabbeinu is always around us somehow. He always takes care of us. Even if he's not directly there, he's always indirectly taking care of us. Why? Moshe is spelled out in his name. We got a men, shin, and a hey. 
you take the Ne'elam of Moshe Rabbeinu. Ne'elam means the letters that are missing, that you don't see when you read Moshe Rabbeinu's name. You see the Mem, Shin, and He. But you don't see the other Mem, the Nun, the Yud, and the Aleph. Gematria is 101. The amount of psukim that you have in Parshish Tzitzav is Kuf Aleph, 101 psukim. You know why? There's a simon that's mentioned at the end of every single parsha. The simon at the end of every single parsha is is a simon that stands for. It's the same gematria as the number of psukim that are in the parsha. So in everything you'll have Tzav and Parshish Truma. You have Tzav Yaav. I'm sorry, Tzav Yaav and Parshish Truma. And then you have over here you have Michael. The reason why is because Michael is the Malach of the Nelam of Moshe Rabbeinu. What Moshe Rabbeinu does down here, Michal does up in Shemayim. Everything that Moshe does connected him is Michal on Shemayim. Whenever Moshe Rabbeinu is not here, don't worry, because Michal is always around. Michal is always taking care of everybody. So even though you don't see Moshe Rabbeinu, we still have the Nelam of Moshe Rabbeinu. We still have, we still have Michal that's taking care of us at all, to, at all times. Now that Mechaini Na was a tremendous tikkun of Moshe Rabbeinu, in which he was able to fix up that one part of him that needed fixing up. Noah. Noah. What did Noah have? He had his problem was what? That he didn't daven for Klai Yisrael, right? Like we said before, he didn't daven for Klai Yisrael. Here, Moshe Rabbeinu is davening, not, not only davening for Klai Yisrael, but offering to take himself out of the Torah so that Klai Yisrael should live. Hashem, he can start all over. Kill me, let all of Yisrael live. Just get rid of me completely. Say, Mechini Na, erase me from the Sefer. That was a pure tikkun for Noah. And that's why Moshe Rabbeinu said it, to be metakin for Noah, to fix up what Noah was missing. Thus, mecheni no... So he didn't sincerely mean Mecheni no, no, obviously he meant it, is also the letters of... Ani mi Noah. I'm from Noah, and I'm from Noah. So, Bidafka in this week's Parsha, do we refer to Noah and Shays being part of Moshe Rabbeinu? Noah and Shays, Shays is another story, but we won't go into that right now. Shays had Enosh and whatever. But Noah and Shays, that he was claiming, Mechaini not claiming, take me out of this week's Parsha, refer to him by saying, you know why he was taken out? Because of Noah. Because there was a Noah involved. Thus, we are taught to Savis Ben I'm not going to call you by your actual name. That's a Shapia in the beginning of this week's Parsha. That's a Shapia in that. It's a little bit more that we have to tweak up over here. You should know these are not the only Parsha where Moshe Rabbeinu's name is mentioned. He's not mentioned in Ekev, Re'eh, or Shoftim. But those are a little bit different. The reason why is because Ekev, Re'eh, and Shoftim are all Moshe Rabbeinu talking. He's talking the whole time. So to say his name would be a little bit strange. Like, and Moshe said to himself, <laughs> like, it would be a little bit strange. So that is one small well, place where he isn't mentioned. In, in Sefer Dvarim. Where it does say, Hashem Moshe or true. But Shoftim Re'ei and Akiv all happen to be Moshe Rabbeinu speaking the whole time. Uh. So it does make a lot of sense that he is, his name would be mentioned. And over here it says, Be'ata. We're obviously referring to Moshe Rabbeinu, but we're not mentioning him by name. There's a big so difference over here. This is where it's where he's taken out. Exactly. The notes of the Bible Says the most obvious because it says Viata. Start off that divide. Abraham Moshe Lemor Titzaves Bnei Yisrael. Do something like that. That's what it should be, but it doesn't say it that way. Um, I'm missing something. I forgot what I didn't say. Oh, okay, whatever. Let's not worry about that for now. I didn't explain shapes, but let's not explain that right now. Tzaris Yehonasan asks. So it says over here, you should take Shemin Zayzach Kasev Lemor Lahalus Neir. Tell me to make a candle to make a light that continuously goes. outside the Paroches Asher Ala that is on top of the Edus by the Aron Kodesh. It's funny. Not once does he mention the word Menorah. Not once. Lama Or it says for lighting Lahalus Neir Tamid, but he doesn't mention the word Menorah once. Where did the Menorah go? I mean, obviously, we're referring to the menorah. We're referring to lights that you're lighting on top. Whatever. Obviously, it's referring to that, right? Of course. You don't have to mention the word menorah. It's still a little strange. It's still a little strange. Or, and you're mentioning all these things. Where is it? In the Olmoid, outside the Prochas. All you have to say is, on the menorah. 
You don't have to like describe it like over there to the right. No, no, a little. Uh, yeah, there. You, you could just say like by the menorah, and the guy will know exactly where to go. So why does it hint to it, but it doesn't say it straight out? Sfaris Yonason says the Mishkan was covered with skins. Oh, I wanted to bring Wait, the picture book. Well, isn't the menorah remis to Torah itself? Yes, in a way. And what is Torah personified in? Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu. That's 100% so true. Rem- so oh, that's cute. But you still can say the name of Menorah. So you can still say the name of Menorah. That's a very good shot. It's a very cute shot. That's a very cute shot. But you should still say the name of Menorah. Yeah. Off by 44 in Gematria. Anyway, what but I was it? thinking Menorah could be the Gematria of uh, Moshe Rabbeinu, but it's not. It's off by 30, 44. I'm sure there's a way you can... <laughs> I'm sure I could. <laughs> you know. you anyway, but what's the shot? First of all, I, if you have the entire Mishkan that's covered by skins, there's no windows. How do they see inside there? How do they see inside the Mishkan? Even during the day, how do they see? They how do they see? Who's they? They had lamps. They brought in a lamp as they went in. Kohanim, they went inside. You had to light the menorah every day. You had to set up the shulchan every day. They had the mizbeach You had to burn the ketores every day. So you did. So you're saying that the entire Mishkan was lit up by a tiny little one candle. Why not? That was inside there. And that one candle was good enough because it's lalos there coming. It's the Mishkan. And right there, right there. Yes, in a way. But come on, that's just one light. Why not have fifty lights that go all around? You would think it's a really great place. Excuse me, the menorah has seven. So it's better to have it all dark inside. The menorah has yeah, seven. Right. It is seven. But it's better to have it dark inside? Come on. I, I, well, if I was sitting in there, I would tell them, all right, light up every single wall with like 50 lights. Make it really light in there. Get some fluorescence in there, you know? Make it look nice. Make it look nice. But not to have it dark when they go inside. And when it says Lahalos Nair Tamid, Lahalos Nair Tamid really only refers to the nighttime. That it only will be lit all night long. But Me'erabad Boker, really. Me'erabad Boker from the evening till morning. But what happens in the morning? The light goes out. So then what are you going to see? What are you going to see? How are you going to be able to see when the you're inside there? Stay lit, though. It? But Lahalos Nair Tamid is Bidafka Me'erabad that's really what it's supposed to be. Maybe it did, but you're going to rely on a nace Why every single day? The walls? You're going to rely on a miracle every single day? True, but you don't want to rely on something straight out. So why would a Kaddish Baal who set it up this way in the first place? Why what? Why can't you see through the walls? The wall, there were, totally there were covered as like a big tent. at least 11 Urios that were surrounding the entire Mishkan completely. So there's no way to be able to really see in there. So how does that work? Why, why should it be? Now, definitely Hashem can make Nisim happen. And really the third question is, David's question from before, why is Hanukkah such a big deal? If it's, such a, if it's lit all day long, every day in the Mishkan, then Hanukkah, the fact that it lit all day long for them, like what's the big deal? So it, it lit extra more than it would normally anyway. I mean, that was every day. More oil in. No, I, I guess, yeah, but it, there's still something a little bit strange. So the, I, it's not such a huge miracle over here. What's the big miracle? So the idea is like this. Hashem can make Nisim happen very, very easily during the day. Why? Because the day is a time of Midas HaChesed. Midas HaChesed is out there, and miracles can easily be made by HaKadosh Baruch without any problems from the Satan or Midas HaDin, without any Mekatrikim, any accusers or anything like that. Nighttime is the time of Midas HaDin. Nighttime is the time for Midas HaDin to be sholet, for things to happen in a, in a harsh way. So when HaKadosh Baruch wants to make a crazy miracle at night, he needs to get Rishus, so to speak, from the Satan. Meaning the Satan has to be maskim that that miracle is needed. And if he does, if he's not maskim, Akash Baruch can always push it through because it's God and he can do whatever he wants. But however, it's 
so to speak, within this world, it's harder for him to make the things go through. I know it's hard for us to understand because we're thinking like Hakadosh Baruch Hu can do anything. But you got to understand that Hakadosh Baruch Hu has limitations with how he wanted to create this world. He made this world in midas hachesed and midas adin, put it together in midas arachlin. He created this world with certain rules, and even though he can bypass those rules, he prefers not to. He wants it to go in the natural way, in the natural way that it goes. So therefore, it's harder <coughs> to be so mech anisim at night. To be so mech, to rely on miracles at night is very, very hard. During the day, though, it's very easy to be so mech on miracles. Very easy to rely on miracles. You can do such a thing. When we're zocha, then it happens even at night. We can have miracles happen even at night. Miracles can happen at any time, and that's the Nesach Hanukkah. A time of night, a time of when we were in Gullus Yavan, even though we did it in the base of Mikdash, it was still a time of Gullus, Gullus Yavan, in which Greece was in charge and Greece had taken over the base of Mikdash, and yet still we had crazy miracles that were happening. Nisim Gluyim, almost, almost, that were showing us that we were doing something that was right, that HaKadosh Baruch was happy with us, and thus the menorah is lit. It's like it's day. The Meshachachma says, just in brackets over here, Meshachachma says the reason why it had to be lit at that time at all times for Moshe Rabbeinu, was for Moshe, I'm sorry. Because Moshe Rabbeinu only got spoken to God, by God. God would only speak to him during the day. It's different from every other prophet. Normally prophecies happened at night, while they were sleeping, while they were dreaming. Moshe Rabbeinu was the only prophet to have prophecy during the day, to have it during the actual day. You notice, by, I mean, I, I don't want to go through, because there are, there are issues in which you'll say, wait a second, that must have been during the day. But uh, by Avram Rabbeinu, the Brisbane of Asarim was toward nightfall by all the other Nevi'im in which they had some type of Nevu'ah it was either at night it was a dream Yaakov you know, with the dream Yosef Atzadik with his dreams it all happened in some type of a night thing as opposed to a day thing so Moshe Rabbeinu in order for, that, for it to be considered daytime all the time he needed Lahalos Ner Tamid because when the menorah is lit it was considered day all the time so the Pshat is yes 100% there were miracles that were happening you know what the miracle was? that there was automatic light in the Mishkan inside the area of the Mishkan they didn't need the menorah at all the menorah wasn't needed. However, if for some reason they didn't deserve to have the menorah lit for them, for it not to be lit continuously, then there would be no light in the Mishkan and they had to go by the menorah and they had to light the menorah. So every night, they're not sure. They can't be so mechananes because you never know what might have transpired that day. You have no idea what might have happened. Maybe somebody messed up and we're not worthy of having the lights on. So every night they had to go inside and light the menorah just in case. But when they went inside, was it dark? No. It was beautiful light radiating throughout the room where from the walls from nothing from absolutely nothing it just lit and the, the, they had to light the menorah and it wasn't necessary most of the time until later on when they started doing things wrong that's when they started to really need the menorah and then it was a problem and then they had to put in lights and even during the daytime they'd have to come back and light it even more so because it wasn't lighting it wasn't it wasn't staying staying. I'm sorry it wasn't light enough for them but yeah. so the next was during the day it was lit up but Even they, at night, it was lit up. It was always lit up. But yeah. But they had to do it from Meirvat Boker. Exactly. Their chiv was Meirvat Boker because of the problems of what might happen at night. Of what might happen at night. That's the basic idea behind it. It's an unbelievable word because that means... I, it's such a, such a strange thing. Where does the light come from in the Mishkan? You'd think you'd never ask such a question because you're right. I mean, it's a miracle. What, what difference does it make, you know? But just to point out that the light is always lit. The Tzfer goes on a little bit about what the sun is and what the moon is. It tries to go on that the times of the Mishkan was the moon, where it's reflecting light. 
times of the Beis Mikdash was the sun, where the where the light came from inside the Beis Mikdash, and they had windows the the where the the Beis Mikdash was the sun, and the light came from inside the Beis Mikdash and well, went outward. The, That's why the, the windows small, were the, the wrong reasons. way. Right. Windows are normally what you normally do is you you have it small on the outside, and then you have the windows bigger as it goes inside, so that it gives more light within the room. You know, so from that little light that you have over here, it goes all throughout the room. And the Beis Mikdash was the exact opposite. Inside was smaller. Outside was bigger. So that the light would go out from the base of Mikdash and shine out to the outside world. So it's just an, it's an unnatural light. All right, the deal with clothes. I, uh, I heard, I, it's funny, because I don't know where this work came from. I wrote down in my original book that I wrote it down in, <coughs> I just wrote it st- straight. And then later on, I think I attributed it to a Rebbe of mine, Rebbe Weiss. But either way, regardless, it's, uh, what's the deal with clothes? Adam and Chava open up their eyes and immediately what did they do to themselves? Naked. Cover themselves up. They covered themselves up because they realized they were naked. They had to cover themselves up with clothes, right? They got fig leaves. wasn't exactly, you know, Ralph Lauren, but uh, it was up there. It was a you know, nice one of those things. <coughs> Ralph Lauren is Jewish? Yes. All right, so <laughs> got another one. <laughs> well, it wasn't exactly, it wasn't anything like big, you know, but like they still put it on. Yosef Atzadik with the clothes is just so strange with the Ksonis Possum. We say there's Lavush of Adamarishan that went down throughout the generations that this guy wore and that guy wore, etc. We have the Ksonis Possum that from Yosef Atzadik. We had... Uh, it just clothes is just a strange thing. Makes what sense. in the world? And uh, the coin gobble also. We have this crazy clothes form where he's wearing. Well, I mean, I have a picture of him right here if anybody wants to see him. He's a very, very good looking coin gobble. He's got the mitznefes and the tzitz and the ksonis and the meil, the ephod, the choshen, the avne, and the mechnasayim. They're all over the place over here. I got this coin gobble. He is a bit of an elf. I mean, it's not his fault. It, I, I drew a stick man and put the clothes over him. So I guess that would make if a person look like an elf. Scroll. <laughs> yeah, but either way, regardless, he's a coin gobble who's got eight pairs of clothing. Each one is beautiful. Why in the world does he need this clothing? If anything, doesn't it destroy the Telem Elohim? We're made in the image of God. Shouldn't you... I, I think this is a famous line of the nudist colonies. I mean, to, we're in the image of God. So why should we cover ourselves up? Well, that's a great claim. I mean, come on, we're in the image of God. You're What's right. the shot? The shot is 100%. There we go. Right over there. Oh, Although I don't like this picture. I can find it a lot better. But... Uh, you the fact is, what is, uh, obviously, the reason why is because of the Yitzhahara. It's distracting, because of the Yitzhahara. We have a Yitzhahara, and once the Yitzhahara was given to us, after Adam and Chava ate from the Yitzhadas, after they ate from and they had that uh, Yitzhahara come into them, all of a sudden clothes had to cover up the parts of the body that would cause people to be distracted. Now, we took it upon ourselves to cover ourselves up a little bit more. In other words, nobody's getting distracted by people, by at least my calves. But yet, we cover them up. What's the shot behind that? What's the shot behind that? The face really becomes a tellum. The clothes then define the person. The clothes are going to define the person. Now, I hate to say it this way, but listen, I will tell you that that for sure is shot in Superman. It's for sure shot in Superman. I had this question for many, many years, and he never understood what was the shot in Superman. That all of a sudden he takes off his glasses, and he's like... And everybody looks at it. If you ever keep up his glasses in public, and all of a sudden people look at him like, Oh my God, you're not Clark Kent. You're really Superman. His, and his vision became so blurred, he couldn't see anybody else. So he thought they didn't know who he well, was. I mean, to be honest, what's, I mean, even if you say, like, oh, he's a comic book character, who was the idiot that thought that up? They're like, oh, let's cover him up with a pair of glasses. That's not so smart. That wasn't such a smart move. So I think it's a very, very simple shot. Superman is well known for his blue tights, the red underwear, as well as the, you know, the, 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 the alt- the, everything that he wore just made him look like Superman. The fact, if you would have worn glasses while wearing that suit, 
If he would have worn glasses while wearing that suit, people still would have looked at him and said, oh, it's Superman. He's got glasses on. He's a freak. But it's still Superman. You know, it still looks like Superman. But when he did it as Clark Kent, he's wearing a suit, a business suit, or a shirt and pants, slacks, whatever it is, you know? And people look at him, even if he took off his glasses... Maybe one person will see the little curl of his hair, you know? But maybe that'll set him aside, you know? But I, normal people look at him and they're not thinking about Superman. When they're looking at guys Lois in the street, knew. you're not thinking of Superman. You're not looking at that person. You think two total... You're, you're, not, you're, not you're not looking at a guy and saying, like, what if that guy was wearing a red cape with blue underwear and red tights? He might look like Superman. You're not thinking that. What's up, shot in Superman? The, the idea is that the clothes make the person. And the clothes made Superman when he wore the Superman clothes. And everybody knew that it was Superman whether he wore glasses or not. It's not the glasses that did it. It was the whole demeanor. Of Clark Kent that did it. The fact that he took his glasses off, sometimes people are like, well, oh, maybe there is something. But the fact that he, just putting the glasses on is not enough. It was everything that did it for him. So I think, I mean, I, I hate to say it this way, but, you know, like, you hate to say these things. And it's not racist or anything else, but you can certainly, obviously it's not racist, I'm not going to talk about stuff like that, but, like, you see a guy <laughs> that's dressed up in a suit and tie with like crisp shirt, you know, and like the nice black shoes and whatever, you think the guy's a business person. You don't think he works at Foot Locker. You don't think that. Because you look at him, you see the suit, you see everything like that, you see that this guy is probably going to a business meeting. He seems like to be an important businessman, you know, depending on what the suit looks like. You know, if he's wearing, you know, a suit that has stains all over it, then, okay, maybe that guy's not so successful. Yeah, it could be that guy's not as successful as he probably wants to be, or it's the end of the day and I feel bad for him, you know? But, like, that, if the guy's wearing that, he's going to a business meeting. If a guy is wearing shorts and a t-shirt, and he's walking down the street with gym shoes, then I can assume that that guy's going to play basketball or that guy's going to play some type of sport. If the guy's walking around <coughs> with jeans and a t-shirt, there you go, you're thinking to yourself that the guy's just chilling out. He's chilling out, you know? Going places, of course. He's going to be wearing a suit in a week. <laughs> that must be, you know? You just, you get certain ideas when you look at a guy. And I, I mean, when I originally said this, I think it was three years ago, I said in Eretz I said, you can go and walk around, you shall walk around town, you'll be able to tell immediately what yeshiva everybody goes to. Of course. You can tell. You can just tell. Like certain people just have that look. You don't want to say it right now, but I'm sure everybody can picture the guys with the shirts that are so starched, they're like cardboard boxes, you know, they're walking around like that with like the shiny shoes that are shining all over the place, you know. I'm like those guys always a Tommy Hilfiger little thing that guy went to. That's not base, my friend. That is their guys. The base guys were very base guys were very obvious. Base guys were very obvious. Either it was an old navy white shirt. Old navy white shirt. You know what I'm saying? Like it wasn't like the buttons on top. Without a question. Without a question. With the buttons up there, with their sits this out, usually down to the ground. Usually all the way down to the ground. Usually you know, dragging on the ground or whatever. You know, you get the basic idea, and I don't mean it in a bad way. You see a guy wearing a nice shirt. Let's picture right now. Um, you a nice shirt? No. Uh, well, I want to say it's like a blue shirt. Nice shirt. Let's say like a blue shirt. No, because each person has a little bit different. Like a blue ox or something like that. Like that, except nicer a little bit. Wow. That guy's a Shalvin guy. Without a question, you think like you think like Shalvin. You know, Abercrombie and Fitch. You're thinking like Neriaco, maybe Nativarie. You know, it's just like it's an automatic. It's not on purpose. It just happens. To be, though you look at the guy and you automatically think, if you would see a guy and the guy would tell you he's from the Mir Yeshiva and he's wearing a t-shirt and jeans, what would you say? <laughs> now, that's not wrong. That's not wrong for somebody else to be. But you would look at him and you'd be like, "What's wrong with you?" Right. But why? Why? Why is that different? The answer is because, unfortunately, clothes define a person. You always stereotype. You do it with kippahs also. 
And I remember a guy telling me, I saw a guy wearing a white kippah, a really like loud white kippah on Shabbos once, a knitted white kippah, like bright white, you know, one of those, <laughs> like it honestly glowed. Like I saw him and I'm like, that's the cool, I, I went up to him and I said, wow, that's so cool. That's like the coolest kippah I've ever seen. He's like, do you want one? I said, no, 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 I don't think it would go over well. He said, it's so sad that we just can't get together. I'm like, wearing a kippah is not a question of us getting together. This is not like, come on, people. You know, like all of a sudden, like people are going to start singing and dancing in the street because we're all wearing the same kippah. It's like, unfortunately, that's not the that's not the issue. But people look at it as sort of like, no, I'm wearing a white kippah. You're wearing black. I'm just sorry, but we we can never date. I I'm, I'm, can't date anyway. But like, you get the idea behind. You know, there's just that you're wearing a kippah. We can't date. It's completely different. So to here, the coin gobble over here is separated completely. It's automatic. It him. The coin goblet was separated. He needs to be known as the king. The guy who is an absolute leader. Not as the leader of Kleistro who's making the decisions. That's not the point of the coin goblet. The coin goblet is the ultimate in spirituality. The ultimate. There is no one higher. There is no one that goes into the Kodesh HaKadoshim except for him. And he only goes on the holiest day of the year, only for short amounts of time. He can't even stay there. He can't like chill out there and smoke a little you know, smoke a little cigarette while he's sitting inside the Kodesh HaKadoshim. He can't just chill out inside there. He can be in there really quickly, do the Kodesh, and get out of there as soon as possible. Do a little, And that's it. What does he do there? What's the Ketoros? Burn the Ketoros, which is the incense, the, the incense oh, okay. that you took from the Mizbeach Ketoros. You have to take it and put it in a pan inside right. the Kodesh Gedashim right in front of the Aram Kodesh. No, that no, outdoors, right? no. Yeah, that was outdoors. Those are the, the Seirim and the Par and everything. That was outside. Incense. But it's such a... Wouldn't having these clothes also go the other direction Why? What? Make him into? Bao Gaiva, which is what Achashverosh had in mind when he put on he put on the Kalim of the Kohen Gadol. It's the difference. Belshazzar put on the kalim of the Kohen Gadol and immediately a hand a severed hand Belshazzar who was the last king of Bavel last king of Bavel so he put up there was a hand that wrote on the wall Takal Takal Parasum I forgot what it was wrote the exact question and Daniel said you're going to die tonight because Belshazzar wore the clothing of the Kohen Gadol and immediately died that night Achashverosh did it and he lived for another 13 years he lived for another at least 12 years. Well, he was so what's the so oh, True, but what happened that changed that by Belshazzar he died immediately? Achashverosh was different. The Pshat is that Achashverosh had good intentions when he put on the Big Day Kohen Gadol. When he saw the Kohen Gadol and he saw who was the person that put on the Big Day Kuna? Big Day Kuna Gadola? He was dressing he up from Aaron Atzadik. Aaron Atzadik had put it on. Aaron Atzadik had put it on. And he was one of the biggest anavim that there were out there. And not only that, but he was an Olive Shalom and a Rodev Shalom. He saw the Midos of Aaron. And he saw there's something behind these clothes that I don't quite get. And he saw, he learned up a couple before Shem, he asked a couple people, and he found out that these clothes of the coin Gadol have kaparas. If you wear this, you get a kapara for Lashon Hara. You wear this, you get a kapara for Gili Arayas. The Mechmasayim was for Gili Arayas. The Tzitz was, uh, the tzitz was for Machshavos Rose. Bad thoughts. The Aphod was for Lashon Hara. Each piece of clothing gave you a kapara, an atonement, for certain things that you might have done during life that, which, which were wrong. Achashverosh said to himself, Oh my gosh, this is instant. I, I, I can purge myself of all my sins by wearing these, these big day and by doing so I'll become a perfect person and by doing that HaKadosh Baruch will choose my people he still believed in God he knew there was a God out there he'll choose my people as the real people and he'll knock down the Jews Akshvash hated the Jews he wanted the Jews to go down and he said why should the Jews get everything I'll wear the big day and I'll be the guy that HaKadosh Baruch Hu goes to I'll be the guy that HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants to be with and I'll do that he had great intentions by doing that he wasn't killed that night he was wrong he lost his wife because of it 
He lost his wife because of that, because of what he did. However, he had great intentions, tremendous intentions. That's good enough that he would say, we say to him, okay, you know, we agree with you in a way. We agree with you in a way. He didn't do it exactly right, but we agree with you in a way. And that's the Pshat and Gemara and Shabbos, Lam and Aleph, and Aleph. There's four Gemaras over there about Hillel Tzadik. One of the Gemaras says over there that there was a guy who saw or heard about the Big Day Kun He was a guy, and he wanted to become Jewish. So he went to Shammai, and he said, I want to become Jewish. Shammai said, why do you want to become Jewish? He said, because I want to wear the co- clothes of the Kohen Gadol. Shammai threw him out of the base matter and said, get out of here, get out of here, I don't want to see you. So he went to Hillel, and he went to Hillel, and Hillel said, you want to wear the clothes of the Kohen Gadol? Okay, you have to take upon yourself to start learning this and start learning that, and he started teaching him a little bit and little, bit, little by little, you know, how to get up there. Eventually, he learned that a Kohen Cannot, a gear cannot become a Kohen. There was no way for him to ever wear the clothes of the Kohen Gavel. He went back to Hillel and he said, thank you very much. I realize now that I can't wear the clothes of the Kohen Gavel. And he became Jew and later, he became a Jew and later on, he said to Shammai, Shammai, you would have turned me off the derech. Hillel turned me on the right path. Thank you very much to Hillel. Shammai, you did something terribly wrong. But it's the strangest Gemara in the world. You heard about these clothes. If you want the clothes, make them for yourself. It's not like you have to become a coin gobble to get these clothes. That's you can wear the clothes on your own. Why? What's the difference? Can you? Then make reproductions. Well, if you're a guy and you don't know anything about these things, you don't know. Worn jersey versus you know one that But if you just heard about it and you're a guy, you don't know anything more about this. All you know is that there were these tremendous clothes. You want the real thing. You want the real. He didn't care about the clothes. The shot is why did he want the real thing? Because the real thing had a power to it. The real thing had powers of kaparas. The real thing had powers to make you into full, full of good midos and full of everything. Said the guy, instant purge. I, need that. I can get rid of all my sins this way. And that's all they want, we see from certain religions that are out there. They just want the instant purge, just to get rid of all their sins all at once, just to be like that. We have something similar, but you have to actually work at it, called tshuva. You know? And tshuva does not work as, oh God, I feel bad about that. All right, <laughs> back, to, you know, back to the drawing board, you know, start all over. We have to do something real. We have to really, really concentrate. A fast day, you know? Fast days. There's Ramadan in us. There's no one else who does these things, you know? It's a little strange, but that's the way we do it. That's the Pshapi and the Kohen Gavon. And that was a good simon in a way from the habit. Okay, we have um, it sets and the Urim Matumim. I'm going to tell you guys, uh, I think the stones of the Choshen. I don't think I've ever done that before. I like the stones of the Choshen thing. Yes. What were they made of? What were these stones? So I have a little chart over here. I'm going to say it as quickly as possible. Where is it? Roughly. Uh, roughly, it is in, you know, I didn't actually look up the Pusik, but it should be Basisa Koshin Mishpat. Here we go. Uh, Evan, right over here. Yud Zion. Perak Chafchas. Pusik Yud Zion, Yud Ches, and Yud Tes, and Chaf. What are these stones? Okay, there's an Odin. The Odin is a ruby. That was given for Shevet Ruven. The reason why Shevet Ruven had a ruby is because his face turned red from Bilbo Yitzui oven, from turning around his father's, from father, his father's bed. This skula from rubies, the skula that you get, I can't translate skula. I don't know what you want to say for that. Special what comes out, power. yeah, there you go, is that you have easy childbirth and no miscarriages. You should know, in Israel, they have a ruby gemach. They have a gemach that's made just for rubies, that if you want, right before you give birth, you can go to these people and you take a ruby off them. You don't have to pay them or anything. You have to put down something, whatever it is, but you don't have to pay them or anything. You take a ruby and the woman wears it during childbirth. 
and it makes for an easy childbirth. They have a skula that it makes for an easy childbirth. Now, there are certain things that uh, the Noam Elimelech is in the hospitals over there. Noam Elimelech, the Reveal Elimelech Melejinsk, said that my sefer is also a skula for childbirth. In the, the, the hospital, Shari Tzedek, I was only there once with my first baby, and it happened to be that uh, that birth took about 36 hours. But uh, regardless, there was a Noam Elimelech in every room. In every room, it's a skula for childbirth. Noam Elimelech, Reveal Elimelech Melejinsk. It's just such an impossible sefer. I sat down and I decided, okay, I'll learn a little bit while I'm sitting in the room. I'm doing nothing. So uh, I sat down and tried to learn it. It is so impossible to learn. You, you don't understand more than five words. You're like, what? What is going on here? Maybe the fact it's that your wife is thing. in labor had something to do with also. <laughs> Nothing. <Okay. laughs> Shimon had something called pitida. Oh, by the way, so why Ruvain? Because what did Ruvain do? He brought the dudayim. Remember those dudayim that he brought for Leah? He caused easy childbirth. He caused childbirth for Leah. So that's that. Shimon had a pitida that's known as a green emerald. A green emerald. So the reason why is because he was over on Arias, like oh. Misa Zimri at Shitin, like we'll see later on. And you turn green when you're over on Arias. The, the, you t- your body turns green according to that. The skula for pitida from a green emerald, unrelated it cools to off Esther? your body. Yeah, unrelated to Esther. It cools off your body sure, and you protects from green. immorality. It protects from immorality. <laughs> so if there's immoral people around, you have a green emerald that's able to save you from those types of things. They say, there's a Miam Louise that quotes down, that there was a guy who was going out of town. He wanted to know if his wife was going to be with another person while he was out of town. So he hung a green emerald around her neck. Obviously, he suspected her beforehand. When he came back, he looked at the green emerald. The green emerald had a crack right down the middle. And he knew that she was with another guy. The green emerald supposedly has that, has that type of skula. Levi had a barekis, which is a crystal. Crystal was given to Levi because it's machimas pasi, no. machimas pasi and meirenayim. A barekis? No. Okay, it's machimas pasi meirenayim. It lights up your eyes and makes you wiser by having a crystal on you. If you carry crystal on you, you'll be able to think straighter. It's unbelievable. Rabbeinu Tam actually said that golden pieces also make you think better. He used to have a plate full of golden coins that sat in front of him while the Rabbeinu Tam learned. <coughs> he used to put his hands in there and stroke the golden coins while he learned because he said it helped him think straighter in learning. When you have the school in front of you, I guess this was the crystal, and that was also the Tsohar of the Teva. The light that was there in the Teva, the rock that gave off light in the Teva was a type of crystal. And it was given to Levi because he learned Torah all day long, and there he needed to become wiser. Yehuda had nofach, which is known as a green carbuncle. That green carbuncle, once again, is green because of Yehuda's mice with Tamar. She was with Tamar. Now, what it does is the school is to make enemies run away from you. If you have this green carbuncle, it makes enemies run away from you. Obviously, Yehuda needed that. Why? He was the king. The warrior. The guy who went out to warrior and he was the king. Yisachar had a sapir, which is known as blue sapphire. <coughs> blue sapphire is supposed to remind you it's the color of the kisiah kavod. The same color of the kisiah kavod. And like the luchos, the luchos were made of sapir. They were made of sapir. It's like the tchelis and everything. Now, what it does is the school is tremendous. It heals all hurts, any blemish that you have in your body as well as swellings, it'll heal that. It stops fights between two people, and it brings about peace. Within every blue sapphire, within it, you'll see a cloudy inner. There's a cloudy thing on the inside. That's supposed to remind you of Harsinai, which was covered by a cloud all around. That's supposed to be the idea behind the sapir. Zvulin had yahalom, which is known as a pearl. Known as a pearl. The reason why is because it's a simon for riches. It's round like the world. Just like the world goes round, it does that. The skula is for sleep and brings out slacha in business. Wearing pearls brings you out slacha in business. To have pearls on you. It also brings sleep if you need to sleep at night. So it brings you sleep. It, it, it makes you sleep better. Now that, I, I, I don't know, but that, that's, what he, that's what the Rabbeinu Bahaya says. Dun had Leshem, which is topaz. Topaz, if you look at it, has an upside-down 
picture of a person. It looks like a person, but it's upside down. Because Dun had Pesel Micha, they had the idol of Micha, they turned around the face of a Baruch they turned around a Micah, very good. Now, the Pshat is, Dun, the Skula is, it helps in judgment and makes you do things L'Shem Shemayim. Makes you do things L'Shem Shemayim. That even Dun, who was worshipping Pesel Micha, they did it L'Shem Shemayim. They did it for the sake of heaven, they didn't mean to do it for the wrong reasons, they did it L'Shem Shemayim. Naphtali had Shvo, which is turquoise, we're on number eight, we got four more after this. Naphtali was obviously very fast, he was the messenger of Klai Yisrael. Naphtali was very known as this for his speed. It gives you success in riding horses and running. It gives you success in where you're riding to and where you're running to. It brings you to the right place. That's what it's supposed to do. God had achlama, which is translated as calf's eye. Calf's eye is very common and well-known, just like God is in war. God was well-known for their bravery in war. And what the skuba is, it dispels fear and anxiety. So it makes you not afraid. So God was perfect for that because they were the brave ones. They were the guys on the front line who lived outside of Eretz Yisrael. They were the guys who needed to have no fear. I'm sorry? Calf's eye. Calf's eye. It's also known as uh, amethyst. Amethyst is the other word that's given for it. Either way, Usher had something called Tarshish, which is called chrysolite, which is apparently a type of crystal. I couldn't tell the difference from it when I looked at the picture, but uh, it's called chrysolite. Why? Because it helps you digest food. The school is to help you digest food and make the food go and make you look healthier and more beautiful. Usher had very, very beautiful daughters who were well known for the fact that they married Kohan and Gedolan as well as Malachan. So Usher needed that to make them look healthy and beautiful. That's the chrysolite. Yosef had Shoham, which is known as Onyx. Onyx makes everyone like you and makes your words matzliach in front of other people. So when you talk to other people, you become very, very eloquent and people like what you have to say. That's what Onyx does for you. They'll always carry a bit of Onyx on you so that you know, so everybody will listen to every word you say. Yosef needed that as he was the leader of B'nai Yisrael, the Matharnis of B'nai Yisrael, the guy who gave B'nai Yisrael their Parnassah most of the time, the Prime of Menashe. Won't go into that right now, but regardless, and he had no Ayin Hara. Binyamin, here's a strange one. He had something called Yashpe, Jasper, so to call, but it's a multicolored Jasper. It had six different colors on it. Six different colors. It was all different colors on top of it. The Segula is to stop blood from flowing. Oh. It'll stop blood from flowing outside of a person's body. So before we had something that heals the hurts and makes sure the swellings go down. This, if a person is bleeding tremendously, if you have this multicolored jasper, it's going to stop the blood from flowing outside of your body. That's cool. I'm not so sure why Binyamin had that. He didn't explain that. All that is from the Rabbeinu Bahaya. But absolutely unbelievable things. I'm sorry? Yeah, but that doesn't explain why exactly. So it's the why bleed, exactly. The bleeding of Pelagish Begiva. That's cute, but that's more like the, the, why the, we refer to that. Because of the war that it... Uh, it has to be something a little a bit more. We have to figure it out. Rachel died when he did have ten. Rachel died at that point. Yeah, but not out of, lack of, not out of blood. And yeah, even like then... You know what I'm saying? Like, those are a little bit... Sure. You know, we're talking about each one is like sort of, this is what the Shevet stands for. Now, but with Binyamin, what is it? Somehow it has to be something different. It has to be something that Binyamin stood for. It's, Binyamin stood for Kedusha. That Binyamin was the one person to have never sinned. One of four people to have never sinned, never had a chait. He's somebody that's tremendous. The first king from, came from Binyamin. So it must have something to do with that. Jasper may be so beautiful it belongs to a king. I don't know. Don't I don't know. I have absolutely no idea. But I didn't see that inside. Other people call it a jade. Either way, but those are the 12 stones. Don't think that these stones are just nothing. Each one of them has a special school. It's all quoted by the Rabbin of Achaya. And I don't know. I mean, the ruby one is something that I've heard straight. I mean, everybody knows about the ruby and arts straw. I don't know why they don't do it in, in Chutzla arts, but there is such a thing as the ruby and arts straw. Some people say you have to wear the ruby up until the baby is about to give birth and then take the ruby off the baby right baby then wow. until the woman gives birth. And then once the woman is about to give birth, that's when you take the ruby off, the baby immediately comes out. That's what they say. I, I believe I believe that happened to a friend of mine. 
I can't remember what his name is, though. I mean, obviously, my <laughs> close friend. But uh, he was a guy from, where was he? From, uh, I'm not remembering the name right now. But, uh, I mean, it was, she had, she didn't have any jewelry on except for the ruby. And they called up the rub. The, the, the baby wouldn't come out. He said, uh, take off the ruby. And they took off the ruby. Immediately, the baby came out. What happened? And that rub passed away two years later. I forgot what his name is. All right, I'm forgetting names already. All right, guys, we're going to stop with that. Have a good Shabbos and a good Afrelechen Parum. Afrelechen Parum.